generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome in. You're listening to a very special episode of the Keep the Change podcast because we've got one of the most knowledgeable people in the country who is going to teach us a number of things that we would probably be too scared to talk about have no idea about, and often like to bury our head in the sand about. So Nicole Murthy from uh, Parryfield Lawyers has joined us to talk to us about all things contracting out and with her experience in this field as a partner at this firm. She's going to teach us all about uh, divorce and what we need to be thinking about when it comes to our finances and getting into relationships. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you for your time. That's my pleasure. Hi. Thank you for asking me. That's all right. So how we got talking is that uh, basically we had a, a quick email back and forth about some things to be thinking about. And I said, would you be bold enough to come on the podcast and I can ask some questions because I think this is a really important area and I think I mean you'd know more than I but I'd imagine this is a very hard area for people to talk about. I think so um the hard part is that when you get into a relationship it's all beautiful and new and you try to put your best foot forward you don't really want to you know, discuss anything that's too meaty or uh, not lovey-dovey. And finances aren't really lovey-dovey, are they? And especially when when one party has a lot more than the other party um, and they're trying to say, well, actually, in the event we separate or in the event one of us dies, uh, nobody wants to talk about that. I want to keep my big nest egg and you're not allowed to have any of my nest egg, or you're only allowed a bit of my nest egg. That's not sexy, that's not exciting, and that's definitely not what you want to talk about at the beginning of the relationship. However, sometimes that's the best time to talk about it. Both coming into a relationship, everyone has unsaid, um, uncommunicated expectations of what or how a relationship will look like, and that is the same with how their finances are going to look like. So some people think that, great, we're in a relationship, we're going to share everything, so it's going to be beautiful. Others think, great, we're in a relationship, what's mine is mine, what's mine is mine. Um, and so the hard part is that in New Zealand we've got the, maybe it's not the hard part, maybe it's the great part, in New Zealand we've got the Property Relationships Act that dictates, you know, while you're in a relationship, what happens with your assets, and when you end a relationship, what happens with your assets? And the Property Relationship Act says that from the beginning of a de facto relationship, 
until three years, pretty much. These are the hooks and stuff, but you are okay. But once you hit that qualifying three-year magic number, a whole lot of things become halvesies. So you want to talk about that before the three years, way before the three years, maybe when well, you start to live together. Okay, because I'd imagine that three years probably sneaks up on people. And if you want to start doing this on uh, two years and 11 months, you might start to run out of time. Is that why we want to start talking about it earlier? That's absolutely, because people have poured stuff into a relationship for two years, 11 months, and with the expectation that they'll get a benefit. That expectation may not have started at the beginning of the relationship, but after they've built fences or built a deck or, I don't know, looked after stepchildren or cooked and cleaned and helped with the business accounts, all of a sudden that expectation grows and, you know, they expect that it's a shared situation. And remember, <laughs> a de facto relationship is, I mean, there's heaps of case law about that and it's not just when you move in together. It could be before then. So, you know, there's arguments, great arguments, fun arguments, about when a de facto relationship starts and when it ends. And that three-year period, that's why there's so many great arguments about it. So what does de facto actually mean? Is there uh, like I'm, I'm a pretty simple dude, and I only did English to about uh, sixth form or year 12. So de facto, is that, what, is the, what does that mean? The... the term de facto there is I mean it's defined in the act and it's defined by a whole lot of examples too so um I'll just get the act up so that we I'm not missing a single word yeah could you imagine it I'd be um so it's always between two people regardless of their sex or gender identity they have to be over eight, the age of 18, live together as a couple. And then it carries on and talks about what living together as a couple mean. And, and the duration of the relationship, the nature, nature and extent of the common residence, you know, whether or not a sexual relationship exists, the degree of financial dependence, the ownership use of property, degree of mutual commitment to a shared life. It just goes on and on and on. And sometimes we have to get really... You know, we, I ask really intense questions about their relationship and when it goes from boyfriend and girlfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend to living together de facto, something's changed so that you're together in a gotcha. more committed relationship. Yeah. Okay. But it sounds like so. You could be together for maybe, say, six months and then you start living together just because, like, why not? And then you break up in month seven because you realise, man, this person, I nearly swore, but just to be clear, I'm not going to swear on this entire pod because Nicole's got kids in the background yeah. and they get sick of my swearing. So if I do, I'll donate $100 to a charity of your choice, but I bet you I won't swear. Uh, so you might get upset by your partner uh, <laughs> and decide to leave at month seven, could they then challenge that you're in a de facto relationship and some of these rules start to apply? Or have I misinterpreted they're this? De facto, but they're not in a qualifying de facto relationship. Remember, it's that Ooh. beautiful three-year 
you know, uh, time frame. Yeah. And remember also the other thing with the time frame is that you may hit three years. That's not when everything starts to become, you know, intermingled. It's once you hit three years, look backwards from the beginning of that relationship onwards and all mm. of that you've acquired that under the act stays as relationship property becomes relationship property. So the family home, whenever we're co- whenever and however acquired, uh, the family chattels, the big thing for everyone is your income. I mean, the things that your income touches, how you've intermingled it, joint bank accounts. Um, if it's, oh, KiwiSaver. KiwiSaver is the best thing in the world. But you start putting, you, you're in a de facto relationship, that three-year period, uh, let's say you break up three years, one month, that three-year, one-month period that you've um, put into your KiwiSaver, that's relationship property. The whole wow. thing's not. Only the three-year, three-year, one month is. So there are ways to protect yourself, but it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. And it kind of depends on your age, your stage in life, um, whether you've got children to another relationship or not, whether you're just starting out. Because you can do what the Americans like to say, a prenup. You know, and we call a contracting out. We contract out of the Property Relationships Act. You both have to go and see a lawyer. It has to be in writing. You have to be given advice as to the effects and implications of the agreement for it to be binding. But that's how you protect yourself. And if, for example, one of you comes into the relationship with a home and you want to keep that home as your separate property, regardless of whether it's, you know, you've got a huge mortgage over it and you're putting all your income into paying off that mortgage, like we hear you telling us, Um, you know, you might want to still say that that house is my separate property and when we separate, that's it. It's always going to be mine and you're not going to get anything. Or you might want to say, hey, I've got, you know, $300,000 equity in that home at the beginning of the relationship. I'm really happy to keep that ring fenced as my separate property. But going forward, we're a team and anything we earn together and, you know, increase in value of the home, that can be ours and I don't mind sharing that equally. Or it could be, no, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, too bad. So one size doesn't fit all, but also you think that may be fine for someone who's in their 20s and they don't have children and the other person's got a great career and everything's good. The problem is that even these contracts become stale. And you think down the track, it's 10 years, 15 years down the track. Um, one of them has gone great guns in their career. The other one's given up their career, looking after children, going part-time. Um, they've been pooling their resources. And all of a sudden, you've got this stale old contract out agreement that you're trying to apply to the new situation. Um, and if it's too separate, there can be some awful arguments about whether that was fair to begin with. And if it wasn't fair to begin with, should it be set aside? And all of a sudden your protection's gone. Or, I'm telling you too much, but if after the relationship 
you know, because of the time frame and because of what's happened in your life, it's become unfair, someone can set, a, set the contracting out agreement aside. It's a bit difficult. Takes, you know, court applications and all the rest of it, uh, but it's a possibility. So you try to look at it in its round and say, is this fair and will it be fair um, instead of just how much can I keep? Cool. Okay, I'm just going to take us back a little bit because I think there'll be a lot of people that uh, this will be like a fire hose of information for them because they'll be so scared to actually right. go and seek some of this info. No, you're right because you've got 18 years of doing this, so it's probably just so simple to you now as another email comes in from someone that could potentially be about to go through divorce, um, yes. but hopefully not. But So what, what we're saying is that in New Zealand we have a law, right, that says – if we end up in a relationship together and we're together for three years, like very loosely, if we're then to separate from that relationship, there's some framework in place that's going to figure out how to separate the assets that we've been able to put together during that time to ensure that both parties are, are protected at a very high level. And I'm sure there some things can get muddy in that too. But then we have the ability to contract out of that relationship property uh relationship what's it called the up uh, uh, property the relationship the property That's relationship it. rpa got it so we can contract out of that and almost sort of set our own rules which is probably much the same as in as having a will in new zealand compared to not having a will um and maybe a little bit different but but you can then sort of set your own frameworks around how that's going to look and then both of you will need independent legal advice and then have to sign an agreement that you both adhere to. Uh, but then that can become irrelevant the longer that you are in your relationship and factors change. So it could be time together or children or a wedding, for instance. Ah, no, not the wedding, but nicely brought oh. in because we both know that wills, like they are null and void after a wedding. So, um, yeah, which is awful to think about. Um, but not contracting out because the Act talks about the de facto relationships and the de facto relationship predeceasing, pre, uh, predeceasing a marriage I'm not saying the right word, sorry, is, is the same thing. It's the relationship. So um, it doesn't matter if you get married. The contracting out agreement looks at that. Uh, it doesn't okay. matter if you stay a de facto. The contracting out agreement looks at that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, um, to, be, to, to be transparent here, and uh, I'm not really vulnerable because I don't mind, but I made sure my partner was fine with this. So we, we actually did this last year. So I got a bit of a taste of this journey. Now, yeah. for both of us, we come from very different backgrounds and we had a conversation about it. And because we're both accountants, which I know that's probably real cringe for a lot of people, imagine the pillow chat. It, it means that sometimes we've, we've had to practice just having like transactional conversations. So it actually wasn't highly emotional. Um, which was good, but I'd imagine people don't necessarily have that benefit. But for us, it was sort of a, well, if I was to pass away um, or vice versa, we're um, both going to be pretty fine. 
um, to go on without each other, but we'd like to then let what we have built up prior to meeting each other stay with our respective families and look after some of those people. So that's sort of how we started that conversation. Um, But yeah, it it is interesting. Like I'd like to hope that I've got a pretty good understanding of some of the stuff, but even once I got into the process, I found myself just being like, Oh, that sounds really complicated. Can we, uh, yeah, let's just just sign that or you take that thing out or yet we can include that. So I'd imagine for a lot of people, this, this can be a very, time-consuming exercise so then they just go too hard basket and wouldn't do it right oh that's so right and when you're in it you've got so many things to think about you're thinking I don't even have children right now why are you talking to me about these hypothetical children that I don't have or Mm -hmm. life situations I don't want to talk about all I want you know all I want you to do is protect the stuff that I have and move on from there um but I suppose a good lawyer uh, would be able to hopefully try to dumb it down a little bit. Not, not, not saying that you're dumb, but just try to say, you know, this is why you need to engage. Let's talk about it on, you know, in real terms, not in, you know, crazy hypothetical terms, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but you're right. I mean, I... I listened to you this morning about how you choose your shoots so I was wondering how you would you know kind of deal with something like this when I'm you know someone's talking to you about different um, KiwiSaver or how much you're going to ring fence or how much you want to um, enjoy as a in your relationship and and put into the relationship property pool Uh, it's sometimes it just gets a little bit boring but also you get so many emails about it so lots of different um questions that you get a bit over it and and some people find it quite challenging because the other party who they love and they're in a relationship with they're living together you know uh, they want a future with they're arguing about something that's in the future and they find it too difficult but that's hopefully why you've got good lawyers that can calm it down, be sensitive about everyone's needs. However, at the same time, some people want things that just, you know, are going to end up being a real problem in the future. And so you're talking them out of um, keeping too much to themselves. And that just feels, again, as a lawyer who likes to you know, do the best for her clients and argue. It, it feels very weird because you're saying, well, that's great, I can do that, but it's not going to be good for the future. You might rather want to give a little bit more in this situation to protect yourself for the future too. Um, or my favourite ones where people come and see me on the eve of their wedding and say, oh. I just want you to sign, just want you to sign this, <laughs> as if there's no duress or <laughs> anything like that. It's... Um, that's the worst. Yeah, I bet. And because what does what is tricky about this, I reckon, is that you're almost having conversations with your partner about predicting whether you break up or die, which no one really wants to talk about anyway, right? So I think then we avoid it because we're probably scared of those two things. It's awful. Yeah. When mm. we break up, and 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 so of course the next person next question is, what you think we're going to break up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <not>. it's, yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, it's always easier to start with it. If I died, and then move on to the, or we break up. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask: Are there ways that you suggest for people to break the ice to have these conversations with their partners that have worked better, or does it is it just a case by case, and some people might fly off the handle, and then you're just going to try and wind it back and keep it calm? Yeah, I mean getting a letter from a lawyer out of the blue probably isn't a good idea in your email box. Um, Possibly, I mean, ideally you would be talking about this before they moved in or you moved in with them, talking about, you know, ring fencing the stuff that you created before the relationship and then focusing on how to create relationship property moving forward. So, um, just like a, in any financial plan that you talk to us all about, budgeting, all the rest of it, putting that into the you know, sweep of other stuff you need to talk about. Because you do, you want, we talk about budgeting, we talk about you know, having this big, bold life of lots of money coming to us and thinking big. Well, part of that is also keeping what you have been working really hard for And you've got different stages in life. Of course, when you're young, you might not have anything. So everything that you grow together is relationship property. And that doesn't matter because it should be shared equally. Versus maybe someone with two little kids, second marriage, you know, have already gone through it before. They don't want to kind of buy their house for a second time. Um, You know, and so they can easily say, I want to keep this part for my children. You know, that's something I've worked really hard to create and um, get for them. And I want to protect that for them. But, but going forward, this part would be for, for us to share. Um, Or if you've got an inheritance, because we know that um, inheritance is still separate property, unless you do something crazy, like intermingle it um, by, an example, good example would be using an inheritance or a gift from your parents and putting it into your home. Um, you might That's an easy way to say, hey, listen, my, my parents gave me 150K. I've put it into this home and I really, you know, I really want to protect that or that was a condition of um, me, me having that money. There's lots of different ways of saying it. Compared to that, when you are in your 60s or 70s, and I I get lots of people later in life coming to see me about it because it's their children at that point that are worried about the new love um, that's going to come and take away half their inheritance. So at that point, it's, it's an even easier sell and you say, listen, I've had a whole life of earning and, um, I really want to leave something good for my children and this is what I need to leave for them. This stuff, I'm happy for you to live in my home, happy for us to enjoy ourselves and go on cruises and all the rest of it. But this here is for them. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of different ways of talking about it. I'd imagine that that's probably the most common, well, I'm assuming, but you'll know, time when people actually are more accepting to do this one when they go into their second relationship maybe or because they've been burnt from the first or when yeah their parents are about to enter a new relationship and then perhaps they're worried about the inheritance side of things and mum or dad could be a bit blasé 
uh, with the rose-tinted romantic glasses on before they head off to a Michael McIntyre session or something like that. That's, that was <laughs> That was good. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, sorry, Nicole. That was like, thanks for putting me in the 70s category. Yeah, you're all <laughs> Stop this name. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That's, that, I mean, all of that, that's easier than, um, you know, let's say you're in your 20s and you've just worked hard, have been able to create a nest egg, but you don't want to share it, that nest egg, you know. Um yeah, it's an easier to sell, isn't it? But at any time, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. It, it's easier if you begin the the relationship just being a bit open and a bit um, clear that you've got goals in life, you know where you're going, you've worked hard, not trying to take from the relationship, you know, maybe not saying I'm going to keep everything separate, but, uh, you know, I'd like to keep this amount separate. This is what I have worked for. And that seems fair to me since it's not a product of the relationship. Yeah. It's just a very practical conversation that is probably hard in relationships, right? Because they can become uh, emotional. Whilst I've got you on this topic, I'm going to ask a question for uh, the woman out there. And albeit I'm a bloke, obviously, um, what can women do as such or are there things they can do to protect themselves? I know that there are a lot of solo mothers or uh, talking mothers. About solo mothers. We're not just talking about women, though, aren't we? No, no. No. So <laughs> that exit a relationship and are then raising the children and – I've had a couple of emails of these just different situations and they're like, wow. Okay. And you've probably seen this your whole career, but are there things specifically for uh, a mother to be thinking about going into or having children and then in relationships where it may then be different for for males? Um, Often it's the, it's the, uh, and I wasn't, I was being a bit cheeky, um, but often it's the, um, the parent that gives up their career is kind of the one that you're looking at, aren't you? So, um, you know, it used to be, it used to be, I don't know, maybe seven years ago, maybe, yeah, maybe about seven years ago. It would be, you'd often see the situation where you'd have, for example, uh, because no one that I talk about here has got any you know, relevance to any of my clients. So, but anyway, um, for example, a doctor and they've been able to, you know, work hard and go really well and earn lots of money. And they married a nurse, for example, and the nurse um, stopped and had children and didn't go back and didn't continue with her certificate and all the rest of it. And she maybe be out, maybe she's out of the workplace for, I don't know, 15 years, whatever. And she's used to a, a level of uh, a lifestyle, a income and yeah, a lifestyle that's far greater than many people. So the, the, the act allows for uh, spousal, maintenance, spousal maintenance, it's under a different act, but we allow for it, spousal maintenance. We allow for 
extraordinary circumstances and we allow, allow for a Section 15 claim in which the living standards and income are so much greater due to the division of functions within the relationship. Dad going out, working hard, mum staying at home, putting everything into the home. And there is, you know, there is a, um, a situation where you can get more than 50% of the property because of that. If you are looking um, at a contracting out agreement, you've got to be really careful that you don't contract out of some of these sections because you don't know what's going to happen to you. Um, and I don't, I don't see that a contracting out agreement should. Um, I might. This might be a bit controversial, but protect that kind of situation too much. So while I'm happy, again, like I said, that stuff earned before the relationship is separate, that kind of stuff, when you've been together for a long time, somebody's given up their career, and the division of functions is different, but you've still got contributions to the relationship, it's just not financial contributions, then you shouldn't be trapped into a situation where um, you get nothing and they get to fly. So um, I often query um, whether we should add, you know, the Section 15 into those agreements, uh, whether they should be just left to one side. Uh, we can negotiate that part afterwards. You can't contract out of spousal maintenance. So um, that's just what it is. Is I do, is, I do worry about that. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, is spousal maintenance, is that different to child support? Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's where, um, because of the division of functions within the relationship, again, somebody's stayed at home and looked after the kids and, you know, made sure the running of the house is done, M maybe some other things. Uh, supported the other party in their career. One party's able to, you know, fly. They've got great income, good uh, living standards. The other party, as soon as they separate, it's struggling and they can't meet the same living standards that they were when they were together. You can apply to the court and ask for spousal maintenance. On top of that, if you have children and there is the child support under the IID, you can do it for voluntary child support too. So they're different from each other. One is for the children. One is for the living standards. Ah, uh, got you, got you. And when you, now I'm jumping back around, but if we go back mm -hmm. to so contracting out, and then if you have children, does that null and void the no? Nope, nope. No, it doesn't. It just okay. questions whether it's still a good agreement or whether it's got a little bit rotten and it needs to be updated. Because, got you. you know, often agreements will say in them um, that we're going to review this agreement every five years, for example. But if we don't review the agreement, don't worry, it's still binding and it's still fine, but... We'll just re review it later. But if we don't, it's still binding. <laughs> so that's that's often for a lawyer who doesn't want to be pulled up in front of 
court to say, why did you let them sign that agreement? You know, you've got that review period and saying, well, what? told them that potentially it could go rotten so here's the review they never reviewed it maybe they should have Mm, I think my lawyer you'd be impressed uh Nicole because they said they'll set a calendar reminder to remind me that we need to be (sighs) reviewing it again oh that's good your lawyer's good Mm. I thought you might like that Mm. Stu. What, what are some of the most common mistakes you see for people entering relationships where you become like the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, of the cliff or if you could say, I just wish that more people knew this? Um, does, does that bring anything to your mind when I ask that? Oh, yeah. So many things. You know, <laughs> all the years of doing this, it feels there's, I w- you know, if I could sit a young person down and give them, you know, just... I don't, I'd probably overwhelm them like I'm doing to you guys at the moment. But, you know, think about what you're doing. Um, people go into relationships just knowing, Luke, they know that they are going to be with this person forever. And it's just awful for me to even talk to them about separations. And then, you know, three and a half years later, they're surprised that they're going for half their home that they got, you know, that they had before the relationship began. It's it's not, I mean, we all, I think we're in a different space now. We're in 2023, you know. This kind of stuff is not new to anyone. We all know how hard it is to get on the property ladder. We all know how hard it is to get anywhere, and so having these discussions, these brave discussions, it's not going to, um, you know, prejudice anything. Uh, this is what you should be doing and should be speaking about. So if your parents want to give you money, you need to think about, right, thanks, guys, love to have it. Give it to me as a loan, you know, debt of acknowledgement of debt that gets called up upon, and I can tell my partner that it's a loan it's not a gift and so in the event that we separate the parents will be asking for it back just like the bank will brilliant by the way we're also going to enter a contracting out agreement you know and that keeps that that loan from my parents separate keeps it separate or maybe it's a gift because the bank needs it to be a gift contracting out agreement that gift is separate again if it's a gift, you have to have a contract in that agreement because <laughs> um, there is a difference between the loan and the gift. Um, you know, have these courageous conversations. Don't be too courageous. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. two parties in the relationship. You're both going to give to it. You're both going to be different, doing different things, different skill sets to make your relationship bloom. Um, and so really look at it as to, you know, what you bring in, what you take out, what you both bring in together. The other thing I would love to tell people is that keep an eye on your finances, keep an eye on their finances. Um, Debts incurred during the relationship, even if you don't know about it, can always be relationship property debts, and that's a killer, Um, and that hurts. So um, keep like keep aware, keep focused. Um, it's the worst when you've got a client coming in and you say, well, 
where did all your money go? What's in your accounts? You know, give me your account details. Where is all your money? And they just say, oh, I just, I don't know. He did that or she did all of that. And I just, I just worked hard and they did all the finance. Then you're mm. sitting there trying to find, just follow that piece of string and to the different bank accounts, to the different, so that you're making sure there's no, nothing hidden. Um, yeah, that, that must be brutal. And on the debt piece, so say your partner, say you're in a relationship and your partner racks up a massive debt that you've got no idea about and then you end up breaking up. Are you saying that you could potentially be liable for a portion of that or I suppose it would then come out of selling up any assets that you may have, which could even include your KiwiSaver, for instance? Yeah, somebody said something on your show the other day about KiwiSaver, so don't let me forget to talk to you about that. Yes, okay. yes, potentially yes. The... Um, depending on what the debt was incurred for, um, when it was incurred, uh, yeah, you could totally be liable for it. It could be a relationship property debt. Um, when you talk about the KiwiSaver, KiwiSaver, is, it's not easy to just get into your KiwiSaver. You can't just say, I've separated, and so therefore, dear provider, give me the, you know, my money so that I can pay him out my half share or her out my half share. Normally what would happen is if you're selling your assets, you would say, hey, we've got a house and three dogs um, and I will pay you the difference from my share of the family home. But you might not have enough money because, I don't know, you bought it at the wrong time, the property's crashed and you're losing money hand over fit. So you might have to apply to the family court and get an order to get your, well, the difference between your KiwiSavers and everything else out to pay them. And that's expensive. Wow. But you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And also, I don't, I don't want to argue about dogs. Like, <laughs> animals are chattels. Sort it out. <laughs> I, I actually genuinely was just like, wow, I hadn't even thought about pets. Is there uh, anything in the law or legislation around pets or is that like come on you human sort that out yourselves you took them on yeah you can't really have day-to-day -day care and contact of a of a dog can you um and i love dogs um yeah. no they're chattels under the act no matter how much we love them um they're um chattels under the act so you just have to share them and or divide it equally one person gets the dog, another person gets the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's uh, interesting. I think you, you raise a good point where like, I often will talk a lot about trying to improve your own value, your, your knowledge, uh, increasing your income earning ability, things like that. But yeah, often we're probably too blasé, all of us, to, to think about what we might be bringing um, to a relationship and therefore protecting those assets, right? But this stuff, when you start to talk about it at, at this length of detail, doesn't actually seem as complicated as we probably make it for ourselves. Would that be quite fair? Absolutely. And you probably, when you're talking with each other, often people go, oh, yeah, of course. You know, of course you'd be giving 
you'd keep what your gift your mum gave you. You know, if you got $150 towards the house, yeah, that's totally fine, you know, because I I get the benefit of living in that house and not having to pay $150,000 of my, you know, in loans each, each fortnight or month or whatever. It's not until the end of the relationship when you haven't had those conversations and they think, hang on a second, there was a gift. It was a gift to us both. It was so that we could carry on in our relationship and I don't have to give it back to you, so why would I? Um, that's, yeah, that's where it goes. Uh, sorry. Um, I think the other thing um, that you need to kind of keep an eye on um, is, is children. If you have children from a different relationship, um, it's kind of on you to make sure that your children are protected um, and that you've, if, if you want to keep it, you can't guilt the other person. Just do something about it. Go out, get your contracting out agreement, be brave, keep the stuff separate, move on, make great money together. You know, that's how I see it. Nice. What do you know? What percentage of relationships end up in divorce? Dare I ask? I have no idea. I have no yeah. idea. And remember, we're talking about relationships in a whole, not just marriages. Yeah, How many people do yeah. you know that are married? You know that, but they've been living together for over three years. So it's, um, yeah. Mm. I don't. I yeah, don't that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's no shortage of work though, because what I, I was just going to ask, like. Um, you know, does it does it take a toll on you, like personally, sometimes? Because I'd imagine this work could be quite draining. But maybe you just uh, you, you're built for it and pretty pretty resilient to it now. I did probably when I was when I was a bit younger. When you're talking, because family law is, um, I mean, I you know I'm a divorce lawyer, but um, relationship property lawyer, but I'm also care of children. Uh, protection orders, you know, things like that. Wow. So it's more uh, when it comes to violence with children, you know, involved and things like that. That takes more of a toll now than this stuff. This stuff I enjoy. I quite enjoy the backwards and forwards of you've got no claim, you know, take it to court if you think that you really can get some spells or maintenance from them, you know, whatever. Living standards aren't yeah. that different. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I quite <laughs> quite enjoy that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, was going to ask, um, you know, is this a? Would you suggest this is a good area for people that are interested in this stuff to potentially get into, like a good career to be a part of? You have obviously carved off a a, a pretty good career in it, um, and I'd imagine it's one that's pretty recession proof in terms of it's not going to go anywhere where relationships are going to start and they're going to end, right? Well, don't know about good, <laughs> but I do enjoy it. Um, I thought during lockdown that was it. I was in, I didn't think anybody would be getting in touch with us. Boy, was I wrong. Oh, my golly, how many phone calls did I get during lockdown? That was, I can't, I can't be with him for five more minutes. Get me out of here. She's driving me crazy. I can't see us again. For, I, I couldn't do another five minutes, let alone another five years with this person. And then after lockdown, I thought, okay, everyone that needed to leave left. But then the housing market went 
so so high that I got all these people coming. They're like cashed up. They can leave them now, you know. Like finally, I've got some got some coin behind me, and I can get my own house, and I don't have to deal with this anymore. I thought, okay, that's that's done with. So I'm over that busy time. Now it's still crazy busy, and the property market's dipping, and everyone's like rats trying to get off the ship. Just get me out of here now. Um, and yeah. I just don't know when when the when it will just slow down. Um, it no, it's not slowing down. It is recession proof. <laughs> um, it's lots of fun. Um, and I, I'm always amazed at just, you know, the resilience of people and how people can um, go through these terrible things. But then, you know, at the end of the day, it's a wave and you ride it to the end. You go to the beach, you get off, you get out of the water and you're back on dry land again. And I kind of, I just help them through that. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. It's uh, special work that you're doing just on the, housing piece there i actually heard a story recently where um, a couple were uh, going separate ways and because the housing market had come back there was no equity left in the property basically so they um yeah there, there was nothing to split at all and if anything they couldn't really afford to to separate yeah it's terrible yeah yeah that's awful yeah. it's a, that's an awful example but and yeah. at that point, what do you do? Do you sell and both pay the bank back for the next five years of whatever deficit you have? Mm. Do you go to family? At that point, can you attempt to get your KiwiSaver out? But you've probably already drained it for the house. Yeah. 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 It would never be a dull day at the offices. For you, I'd imagine, Nicole, because there's probably always uh, a curveball coming at you. Oh, you wouldn't believe the curveballs today. <laughs> well, of course, as well, we should remind people that this advice or this discussion is of a general nature, right? Yes, general nature. Everyone's different. Um, nothing that I've said is from in any way, shape or form a you know, something that I've thought about from one particular client, everyone's different. And that's why you do have to go and see someone about it. You need to go and get your own legal advice. The Act talks about needing to do that, and it's not binding unless you've got independent legal advice. So, yeah. And it, it was quite. Hmm. I can't hear you. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, hi. I just, uh, my microphone ran out of battery. Apologies, uh, <laughs> leaving you in the lurch there. I, I was just saying that when we went through the process, it was quite cool to see the different advice from the two lawyers for yeah. the two different situations. And because we were both not really too emotional about it and quite transactional, it was like, oh, wow, that's interesting from like your background and your assets and um, you know, what you're trying to achieve from this compared to my side with what I've got going on where that's not really something for me to consider. And, yeah, it was actually um, – you, you do learn a lot 
through the process. So, yeah, I think, you know, people obviously going to have to spend some money to get some of that individual advice. But just like with business, where we'll say to business owners, perhaps, you know, before they buy a business, get evaluation done to figure out, is are you paying over the odds? It's almost like an insurance policy against mm. getting down the track and then realizing, wow, you know, if I had have known this from the start, I definitely would have spent some money with a lawyer and done something about it. Yeah, yeah. Did you find that it was good for you guys? Did you find that you were able to, it, I don't know, let you talk about a whole lot of things that you hadn't been able to talk about before or hadn't thought about talking about? Definitely. Like, it probably, you know, I'd been through, I'd spoken to, like, counsellors around relationships previously um, and so I'd sort of maybe broken the back of having some of those like hard conversations as such. Um, mm. But yeah, I think it was like another iteration of that for, for myself and, and for both of us as well. And definitely, you know, learned through it. And, and I think it's, we've now almost thought of for some of our friends that may be scared to do it. Well, um, it's probably something we should speak about more so that they consider it as well. Yeah, I think it, I think people they should talk about this stuff. Like you know, it's no longer a taboo subject. Money's not no longer a taboo subject, and this stuff. If people knew that it was not easy, I'm not saying easy, but very commonplace, then people would be, you know, it would be easier just to have that conversation and go and see someone. Um, I was really excited. That's why I reached out to you. That I heard you were talking about it because I thought wow, everyone's talking about making this great lifestyle, but it's also about retaining that great lifestyle. Um, so I was excited to hear that you were talking about it. So good on you. Thank you. Well, thank you for reaching out because I think I've been a little bit too, uh, wouldn't say like scared to speak about it, but I didn't want to, like it's a little bit out of my lane because yes, I went through the process, but I know that I'd probably the way I would write it, you know, if, if someone like yourself was to read it, they'd say, actually, mate, you've probably missed two or three pieces here. Um, and you, you know, just as much as me, how people interpret things differently to how you write them. And we get that all the time in terms of tax and business and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, if we can get the conversation louder about the stuff and, and normalize it, then it's probably going to help a whole stack of people. So Nicole, I think we might have to, um, you know, we're going to let you get to your event that you've got to go to tonight. But I reckon we might have to do a, a round two and perhaps even a round three with some people's questions as we go. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. As long as they're not too connected to me. That lawyer that yeah. hates dogs. I love dogs. I love them. <laughs> and of course, all the questions will be answered of general nature and they won't be specific legal advice, I'd imagine. <laughs> no, <it's okay>. but, <laughs> hey, thank you so much for your time and thank you for reaching out as well. It's been a fascinating conversation. I'm sure people will learn a lot out of that. So, We'll stay in touch, and I'm sure uh, in time there may be a, a round two for people tuning in. Thanks, Luke. See you later.